Hi everyone, my name is Christopher Bruce. I'm a marital and family law attorney in South Florida, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Jan and Jillian Uhoff. Um, Jan and Jillian, uh, they're sisters, and they are co-parenting and divorce coaches. I think originally from the Chicagoland area, but they practice, um, you know, virtually nationwide. And what we're going to be talking to uh, the sisters about today is something that. I think is going to be a use to a lot of people um, who are in toxic relationships and don't have, you know, the ability to just separate from their partner and have children in common. And the topic that we're going to be talking about is co-parenting with a narcissist. Uh, definitely a very interesting topic, and I'm excited to uh, talk to the both of you about it. And I, I guess before we get into the content, uh, Janet and Jillian, maybe just introduce yourself and uh, tell people. A little bit about um, you know yourselves and what you do and uh, then we'll get into it here. Hi Chris, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. I'm Jillian. And I'm Jan. And most of the time clients come to us when they're struggling with a co-parenting relationship is because they are dealing with that challenging personality such as the narcissist, um, which makes it very conflictual in order to get the children's needs met. And so it becomes a very huge power struggle in wanting the ex wanting to have control still over their ex you know, spouse's life and making it just very challenging. They use, sometimes use the children as even like a power source in that struggle. It's, a, uh, it's definitely, I think, a really hard uh, thing to deal with. And uh, it's, I, in, in our divorce practice, we, we work with a lot of, um, you know, women, men and women, but a lot of women that are leaving abusive relationships. And what we like to have them do is just pretty much cut things off and move on. And that's all well and good, um, except when there's children and you, you can't uh, do it that easy. A lot of these courts want people to um, engage in what they call co-parenting. Uh, it's what people need to be trying to do for their kids anyway. And I guess when it comes to that subject, uh, just from what you all are uh, used to working with, um, what are the best communication styles for co-parenting with a toxic person? So we recommend using, we have a 3C model, and it's all about concise, calm, and constructive communication. And so what that means is using a calm tone of voice to allow things to be very respectful, also a concise message because we don't want the conversation to get off topic or allow language to be turned back around back on us. And so we're trying to help them just have a very calm, concise conversation, but then also using constructive language because we want to keep it positive as much as possible to keep that negative emotion at bay so neither party is affected and things don't go off the deep end. Right. We're looking for that solution and the win-win outcome in terms of what is best in the best interest of the children of that situation or scenario. All right, and, and how, uh, how important is it to be assertive with um, the other person? I think a lot of, at least my clients, they're not used to um, really taking control. They've kind of maybe been the, the doormat of the relationship. I mean, should they be assertive when they're dealing with the other person? So typically when communication with a toxic personality, usually that person is either very aggressive in their communication style and they're always attacking the other person personally in order to try to break down their defenses. 
or they stonewall and they completely block that person out and make communication impossible. Assertive communication allows you to be direct, very concise in your message, and allows you to stick to the facts of the matter in order to be heard with the situation that's going on. I think um, just in what you had sent me before we did this, you kind of had a, a point that, hey, you know, you, you want to respond and not react to messages. Maybe you just speak on that for, for a second or two, because I, I think it's important, especially with what I deal with, um, when, um, you know, the, the wrong but buttons get pushed on um, our clients and they're in a, a court type situation. Yeah, so the goal is to try to respond in a very logical manner, because if we respond with emotion, then that person's likely to use your language or use it against you. It's giving them, it's opening the door for disrespect. It's allowing them to come in and they can see if you're in a bad spot. They're gonna be like, huh, I, this is my opportunity to sort of basically manipulate the situation or gaslight you and turn things all around because you're showing them that you're vulnerable. So we don't wanna show them they're vulnerable by using emotion. We use logic and factorial information. It gives us leverage to be confident in the situation so we are feeling empowered and in control when we're having that conversation with someone that's difficult right i want to make another point on that usually if you a narcissist wants an emotional reaction from the other party because that allows them to gain that power so if you react and attack yeah. they use that as fuel in order to light the fire and keep it going, even exploding it and excavating the situation to something even more than what it was initially. That's, uh, I think that's a really great advice there. It's almost like they're trying to get in a, um, like another feedback loop with the, the person um, by making them upset and you got to just tr try your best to um, not fuel that fire seems to be what you're, you're saying there. Yep, we're, we're removing the gasoline from the fire. <laughs> um, so when it comes to, to trying to co-parent with a narcissist, especially when um, you're somebody that's moving on from a relationship with one, a relationship that's probably, you know, a, you know an abusive one or at least a toxic one that you need to separate yourself with, um, what are some of the boundaries that need to be in place when you're trying to have that co-parenting relationship with the person um, who you really can't be in a relationship with anymore. Right, so one of the most important boundaries you can have are boundaries with yourself. You need to protect yourself from this person and your energy. And by protecting yourself, it allows you to feel at peace in your own life. And so if you're, because more than likely the narcissist or the toxic uh, parent is gonna push your buttons as much as they can in order just to, like we said, evoke that emotion within you to get a reaction because that's where they feel powerful. Um, so personal boundaries, and don't talk about your personal life with them anymore. That's no longer their business. Everything in terms of communication should strictly be about the children and nothing else. Yeah, I think one good reminder is to almost see it as like a business-like relationship with your co-parents can help you remind you that your children, you're in business with your for your children. Like they are the people that need to grow, prosper. And so your goal is to keep those conversations about growing your children. And so that's your business versus it'll help you remove that personal of wanting to like engage with them or share something that may be weighing on your mind if you've had a tough day and just 
because you did that for so long. So the goal is now to remove that and don't use them as that, you know, outlet. It seems like you're probably suggesting when it, it comes to communicating with one of these people to uh, probably limit, um, you know, the the amount of communication or at least what you're talking, um, you know, with the uh, the former partner um, on. Right, because we can't have a no contact rule with a co-parent. Um, we have to limit the amount of communication and the amount of time that you um, even spend with them. And you might even want to separate yourself from ex-family members as well that used to be part of your life, or at least you need to have talked to your co-parent about that and figure out what that new definition or family relationship is going to look like with family members that you're no longer um, tied to by marriage. Um, so I was going to say, in, in terms of limiting that communication, I've recommended to pick one day a week where you need to talk about your children and do it via email and say, like, on pick a day, like, such as Tuesdays. On Tuesdays, you bring up any concerns that happened that week and you address them in an email, which can limit that text message conversation very easily, but it's also so that way you're not having conversations every single day either. And... I guess um, from your perspective as um, co-parenting uh, coaches, if you're, you know, working with somebody who's going through the uh, divorce or separation process, um, and maybe they're dealing with uh, somebody like me uh, with their uh, divorce or family law attorney, uh, do you have any um, tips just from what you've seen on some of the things that, um, you know, the listeners should be trying to include in their parenting plan or custody agreement when they're dealing with, you know, a, a difficult person like a narcissist, um, you know, and they have to co-parent with them? Yeah, this parenting plan is going to be their saving grace in terms of co-parenting with the narcissist. So when it comes to having that solid parenting agreement, something that we see left often um, is usually dating, a dating boundary. So usually when you have the narcissist, they've already either moved on and have a new relationship with a new partner. Yeah. They're gonna be dating multiple different partners um, and not really getting into like a longer term relationship because they unfortunately have a void within themselves that they need to have an external um, source of fulfillment at all times in order for them to feel secure in their own life. And so unfortunately sometimes the narcissist will use those partners and they'll use the kids and introduce them way too soon because they want to look like to their new partner, look at me, I'm the perfect parent. Um, and so unfortunately, that's one thing that we see left off in parent agreements that's definitely extremely important to the development of the children's well-being and understanding relationships as a whole. Okay. And, um, you know, when it, it comes to I guess, uh, communication between, um, you know, parents and a, a child, um, you know, any particular types of um, tips when it comes to the parenting plan uh, with respect to that, when the other person's, um, you know, a manipulative person and they've, they've lost control, um, you know, over the listener, but they still have to co-parent with them? Right. So the children should have access to the other parent if they want to speak with them during the other parent's parenting time. Um, but we need to also be respectful of that parent's parenting time with the child as well. We can't just expect to be able to talk to the child whenever we want to when you don't have them. So it'd be best to ask that parent if the child is too young and they don't have their own cell phone yet to ask when it would be a good time for me to hop on a phone call with, you know, 
Joey or Samantha, whatever, you know, and let me and just have like a quick five minute, you know, before bedtime type phone call. So we want to ask them for permission. Um, cause then that also allows a toxic person to feel in control of the situation, which is usually their number one motive and goal in that scenario. Okay. And, um, I guess I had, uh, you know, a, a bonus question, so to speak. Um, but I was just curious to get your insight on, um, you know, sometimes I see, um, in, um, our clients when they're leaving a difficult relationship that, um, they um, might be the person who's historically actually been, you know, the parent. They, they've usually um, been the, the female, but sometimes men um, that have usually, you know, raised the children, sometimes homeschooled the children, done a lot of, um, you know, everything with them. And as the kids get a little bit older, maybe in the, the high school range, there becomes a point in time to where, hey, you got to give them, you know, the kids some some tough love and set some rules to make sure the kids are successful and something um, you know, my team and I see come up a lot is the, the narcissist type um, parent um, won't enforce rules with the kids, won't make the, the kids do their homework, as an example, um, lets them play the, the video games all night long and, um, you know, basically lets the kids get away with everything and we go back um, over to the other parent um, and that parent tries to enforce the rules, actually be a parent, um, you know, the kids um, they stop wanting to, you know, be around them. And the other parent, the narcissist, doesn't really um, encourage, um, you know, or, or back up the message of the co-parent and lets the kids just do whatever they want. And some of um, our clients uh, see their kids start drifting off track, get into trouble um, in school, stop excelling academically at a time where maybe they need to be doing well to get into college. Um, for the people out there that might see something like that coming down the pipeline when dealing with, um, you know, their ex, do you have any um, particular advice? I, I know it's a tough one. Mm -hmm. So in that situation, obviously you want the child to still have a relationship with their parent. Now the narcissist is all about fun. They don't like responsibility. So avoiding any sort of responsibility that benefits the child's well-being and development is more than likely something they're gonna avoid. They're all about let's go play sports or let's go you know, do all these fun activities. They wanna be the fun parent. Um, in that type of situation, if you're looking for a role model to step in, for example, we'll say a father figure, um, to step in, maybe an uncle or a grandparent or somebody else can give more of that guidance or that fatherly role if the father doesn't want to take on that type of role within the child's life. So maybe weekly, you know, study time with a grandparent or an uncle or somebody can really provide that structure of that figure within their lifestyle. Okay, I think that's, that's uh, probably have somebody that needs to watch this section of the video right now. Um, well, uh, Jan and Jillian, I, I really appreciate the time um, you've taken to, to go over some of this stuff um, with me here. Um, do you have any um, other tips you'd like to give other people that are listening to this? I think one of the biggest things too, when you're going through a divorce or co-parenting with a narcissist is just really try to not let other people take away your happiness or your joy in your everyday life and really focus on that self-care and self-love because the more you build yourself up, the better you're going to feel as your parenting and just as you start your new life and try to heal and move forward. Because if we keep allowing the past to affect us, it's going to be really hard to find joy or happiness which usually happens in the present moment so really just filling up your own cup so that way you can be the best parent you want to be 
and there's nothing wrong with being, you know, it's not selfish to be taking care of yourself that you have to be do that in order to become that best parent anyway. So I think it's just really important that you take care of you in the process. Right, because the stronger you are within in terms of your self-care and your self-love and your fully accepting yourself and really healing from that toxic relationship that may have destroyed your self-worth, the easier it's going to be for you to not react to your co-parent who is trying to set you off with their, um, you know, provoking statements and whatnot. It sounds like great advice to me. And I think sometimes people uh, lose sight of themselves. They feel, um, you know, uh, almost like it's being selfish to think about themselves in, in the process. And I think it's really important to point that out. Uh, there's a reason why usually um, people need to get out of this, these types of relationships. And usually, um, you know, it, it's, it's because they haven't been uh, paying enough attention to themselves and it's okay to do that. Um, so, um, Y'all are, uh, in, in part, uh, co-parenting coaches. Maybe just for a second, uh, tell everybody um, what you all uh, do as co-parenting coaches and, um, you know, maybe identify a, a few of the situations that um, might be the best for um, you all to help people with. So we work with um, a lot of either single moms or, you know, blended families and trying to help people just find resolution to whatever struggle they're facing. So our goal is try to really help take away that emotion and help them find, you know, an answer so they don't feel like they're stuck or alone in the process. And so our goal is to support them on a daily basis, to give them that positive outlet so they have somebody that's cheering them on and helping them take action in their life so they don't feel like, you know, that they are stuck with where they're at as they're going through this transitional period. Right. And when they're, for example, somebody who's not actually doing co-parenting coaching together, but if you do want co-parenting coaching together, you can be in the comfort of your own home since we are virtual and online. Um, but those who just need help in terms of communicating with their toxic um, co-parent, we help write text messages and help um, really guide. It's a very interactive process in order to creating those solutions and helping them work through that process and getting the co-parenting relationship to a healthy place. And I, I thought, I mean, when, when Jan and I just discussed our respective practices, I mean, I, I was just um, telling Jan that I think it's a, a great idea if you're going through, you know, a divorce with a, you know, a, a difficult person, um, it, you know, if even for the just purpose of um, limiting some of the interactions with your attorney, I mean, it's, um, you know, you're spending, you know, three to $500 an hour to talk to um, your attorney about how to respond to a text message. I mean, you know, maybe after working through a few of those with um, a coach, you kind of get more of the hang of it and, um, you know, a little bit less dependent on needing to ask a lawyer who could, you know, sometimes, you know, take a day or two to get back to you um, on how to deal with something. So I, I think it's, a great service. There's definitely a need. And I, I think just so we're clear, um, you all work with people um, basically nationwide and across North America. Uh, is that basically um, how you all work? Yes, correct. We do. Um, we have had clients in Canada as well. So anyone who's more or less English speaking, we can assist in the co-parenting dynamic. And a great point in terms of what you said well ago. Yes, we help with the giving the tools to really be able to articulate themselves within the communication between the uh, co-parenting relationship instead of, like you said, waiting 24 hours to hear back from a lawyer. We're here and basically um, on call, more or less, to really resolve that immediately in order to help ease that emotion that might be 
uh, being brought up from the scenario. So. Perfect. And I guess for the people that are listening to this and, um, you know, they're, um, what you're saying is resonating and they think, um, hey, maybe, you know, um, the sisters can help me out or I should speak with uh, Jan or Jillian. I, I don't know how to decide which one. I guess you'll have to tell me that. But uh, <laughs> if, they, uh, if, if they're interested in um, getting helped by you, uh, maybe just a little, talk a little bit about, um, you know, where do they find you? What's the process and anything else um, you think um, they should know as they um, look to get in touch? Yeah, they can find us at divorcefamilymediations.com or even on Instagram, Divorce Family Mediation, and just shoot us a DM. But we're happy to have a, you know, a 15, 30-minute consult just to learn about their case and to see if we are a good fit. That way they're not having to you know, make the investment without knowing what they're getting themselves into. That way they can see it's going to you know, help them be able to decide so they make that decision and commit. And so they're able to actually choose what works best for them. So we're very open-minded it's a very interactive relationship and so we want them to feel at peace when they are making that decision for themselves well cool um well everybody uh, my name is christopher bruce i'm a divorce lawyer in south florida with the bruce law firm and i've been joined by uh, jan and jillian Newhouse, uh co-parenting and divorce coaches um jan jillian thank you so much uh, for being part of this i really appreciate it thank you, thank you so much chris